This is your Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 45. Let's get it. Well, welcome back, everybody. I'm here with my both of my co-hosts. Luckily, this time, uh, Dan and Tyler. Guys, if um, if you would be so kind, go support us. Make sure you rate the podcast and tell your friends about us. We are still growing and have been growing rapidly. So thank you for this awesome year so far. Uh, and if you have any specific questions about the shows that we, we cover, like One Piece, JJK, Kenshin, please let us know in the Discord on Twitter. But... Saying, how you doing this morning, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's weird that we're doing this in the morning, so I'm still waking up. But uh, let's let's get it, baby. Yes, sir. I am a morning person, but I <laughs> went to bed way too late last night. I'm running off five hours of sleep right now. What about you, Tyler? Same, same. It, I, you know, I apologize in advance if it takes me a minute to get my thinking cap on, but we're gonna that. get there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all still in our PJs, uh, but we had to grind it out for the audience on this one. So yeah, I hope you this, guys appreciate this. Yeah, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lastly, I do want to mention, guys, we do have a link tree, linktree.com backslash anime djens. That's where you'll find all the socials. Um, but to go ahead and get into it today, we will, we will be covering Undead Unluck 10, Freren, episode 14, Baroni Kenshin, episode 23, Jujutsu Kaisen, episode 20, and One Piece, episode 1087. So many episodes. Yeah. Always, always, always. <laughs> boys, you want to jump right into it? Let's, Let's do it. it. So we're going to start with Undead Unluck, episode 10. The episode is named Results. The quest time frame is over. Now it's time for results, which means it's reward time. And also not so reward time. <laughs> also penalty <laughs> if they've ever failed any. Oh, spoiler alert right there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode starts off kind of weird. Like we're in like this interrogation torture situation with who we come to find out is unseen and he's just an invisible man with like a scarf wrapped around his neck that's all you can see but we find out that he has a gaping gash in his stomach and there's just blood pouring out of him and we see a blonde haired character that we have not seen before to my knowledge and he's like hey unseen you gotta join me not those other guys so from there, or, or else, I think you said like, or else, uh, or you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he really had much of a choice. <laughs> he was uh, tied to a chair, um, and it seems um, this mystery person put a tracker in his stomach. So that was fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It was real fucked up. Yeah, um, man. I, I also thought it was really interesting that um, our mystery person said he has a compulsory type of negating where anytime he closes his eyes, he becomes invisible. So like he can't even really control when he goes invisible. It's kind of nuts. Imagine just blinking and like disappearing from existence. Like 
And how often do you blink? Like, what, 20 times a minute? Yeah, something like that. I, I just blink twice. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, imagine, like, you're just sitting there and you blink and you're like, I'm gone. That'd be crazy. That, yeah. that, that's a pretty shitty power, though, right? Like, like, how do you even, like, use that, like, to benefit yourself with your eyes closed? Yeah. I mean, shit, you give it to a blind man. Think about it. He's got, like, the heightened, like, give it to Daredevil. Daredevil's about to say Daredevil for sure. Yeah, He'd yeah. be so broken. <laughs> I mean, but like, what what happens if he closes one of his eyes? Like, does he just get translucent? <laughs> He's just half invisible, <laughs> like the waist down. Yeah. It's like a green screen. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> but from there, we head back to the union headquarters, and we're at the round table, and we're gonna get some results of all the quests that Apocalypse gave the crew. So first, they captured UMA Burn, which allowed them to gain an 11th seat at the round table. And I really liked this scene was really cool. Like the whole this whole process was yeah. animated really cool. Like I like really this a was. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's crazy because like the I think it, what was it last week? We got the bounties in one piece. This felt just like that. So. Yeah, it kind of did. It kind of did feel like the bounties. Yeah. Yeah, so we captured UMA Burn, which gave us an 11th seat. We captured UMA Eat, which gave us the location of Unburn. Would have been really useful before we caught Burn, but, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, we neutralized the UMA language, which really interestingly, basically unified. Yeah. Unified? Unified. Unified. That sounds kind of cool. Uh, unified. <laughs> all the languages of the world and how they showed this was they had like street signs. Everything just went to English. And that would be a treat for everybody. I mean, imagine if we all spoke the same language. That would be nice. Um, as, as, as I guess uh, native English, well, I guess uh, first language English speaker, speakers, we can travel a lot of the world and speak English. We're very, very uh, fortunate for that, but for the other countries losing a little bit of their uh, culture there. It kind of sucks. Well, you got to think, though, is that how this works is it basically restructures the mind of everyone else in existence. So they had no idea other languages existed after this happened. I mean, that's true. But like languages are like built around culture. So like how you describe things and like the words are reflective of like a thought process. So I imagine you would lose some of that, but I don't, I don't really know. But it was cool to see in the anime. Definitely. And uh, one fun fact that Tyler pointed out was that after this um, episode, uh, Undead Unlocks Twitter changed their bio to English yeah. to go along with the unification of all languages. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Honestly, really yeah. neat. I, I was really hoping they were going to like just give us a little gag here and have like a Japanese person speaking English. Oh, I always God. love. I always love when they do that. I, I don't Kenshin does it enough, man. I don't need any more of that in my day. Uh, they also captured Yume Past, which was uh, allowed them to find an artifact, which is called Rebellion. It's on the map. Uh, they captured Spoil, which gave them the location of Unrepair. So Fuko's happy because she thinks that Unrepair might be able to give Andy a death because if Andy can't repair himself, well, he done. But 
Andy kind of didn't seem too happy about that. Um, did you guys have any ideas on why that was? Uh, go ahead, Tyler. No, you go ahead. Uh, I'm really unsure about it uh, because that's been his whole thing, right? But maybe being around Fuko and um, you know, kind of growing with her has made him want to live. He seems like he's having a lot of fun right now, always smiling and laughing. So I don't know if he still wants to die. Maybe he just wants to ride the wave until Fuko is an old bag, you know? True, <laughs> true. Yeah, and, that was my same thought, so. And then the last quest they had was to capture the negator unseen, which they failed, which caused a UMA called Galaxy to enter the world, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But Andy seemed to think that Unrepair had captured unseen, so that's what we saw in the first scene, and Unrepair was responsible for all the deaths of the informants that had been allegedly. Sent. Allegedly, that's what he's thinking. Yeah, and basically, um, how the union gets some intel is they send informants out to do some dirty digging before they send the uh, negators out to clean up the mess. And every informant they had sent out to basically find unseen died. By bleeding out, so I would honestly hate to be an informant for the union. Uh, it seems like their their uh, living rate isn't very high. <laughs> We've only ever seen them die so far. <laughs> <laughs> they are fodder. Hey man, they don't have names. They don't matter. You know that's how it goes. <laughs> in anime, in anime. <laughs> If they don't have names, was they really there? So exactly, you know, they're just yeah. they're just kind of a group of we haven't seen them yet. They don't matter. We just heard them screaming and writhing in pain as they were <laughs> mauled by zombies. <laughs> I mean these these scouts are like this um the uh what do you, not stormtroopers from Star Wars. Wow, it is early. I'm blanking on this. I'm a Star Wars nerd. Never mind. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> but I kind of want to go back to some of these quests though and the rewards that they got um, it's kind of fucking cool like what they're getting knowledge wise and everything just for doing these tasks I mean neutralizing a UMA basically can like wipe that whatever it was from existence so that's pretty nuts I wonder, wonder why they chose like English to be the unified language though it's the number one language in the world. I felt well, actually, no, it's not Chinese, is right? Yeah, Chinese is now. Yeah, but I, but I think uh, English is spoken in a lot more yeah. countries. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also like that they were showing like where on the map, like that little um, look like a leather map above Apocalypse's head. It was pretty cool. Like uh, I believe it was <clears throat> uh, Unrepair or somebody was in. Brazil, and they were showing exactly where they were, and I thought that was pretty cool, like the, the little pins. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting because during the intro scene, they just kept having the um, giant statue of, I, I believe it's Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, just that, and I was like, "What the fuck are we doing in Brazil right now, dude? <laughs> like, what's going on here?" I'm also interested about the artifacts. Like, have we seen like an artifact? Uh, you know, it says Ar Artifact Rebellion. So have we seen something like that yet? Be, like, actually explained or used in the show? 
Yeah, so we've seen a couple artifacts. Um, Apocalypse is the first artifact they found. And then um, the bow staff, uh, the uh, power oh, pole. Power I don't remember what the uh, That was an artifact as well. Okay, okay. So huh. I think a lot of the artifacts are going to be like historical items that are from like mythology, which is going to be cool as shit. That's sick. And they're changing the names too. So like Rebellion could be something we actually know about. We just don't know the actual name of it yet, you know? Uh, true, it's going to be interesting true. if they can use that to, uh, I guess, help out, see, see what they do with it, you know, or what it does. So, yeah. And I love that, like, Rebellion was like uh, near the Middle East in uh, Egypt, I believe it was on the map. So, very cool. Very cool. I thought that was an interesting place to put it. I'm, yeah. I'm glad y'all can read the globe just by looking at it. <laughs> Dude, it's Brazil and Egypt. <laughs> I Give didn't even break. pay attention. Oh, okay. <laughs> not that it mattered. <laughs> it, it definitely did matter. I mean, we saw, we saw images of Brazil, and then they confirmed that that was um, unrepair through the no, map. I mean, not, it wouldn't have mattered if I'd seen it or not. I probably wouldn't have known where it was. <laughs> right, Somebody so get this man a fucking map. Jesus Christ. Gonna we're going to put together a GoFundMe to get Tyler a globe. <laughs> That way I can spin it, bro. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to send this boy back to school. Jesus Christ. Uh, Uh, Yeah, overall, that was a really cool scene. The animation was really well done, how they did it, like flying around all over the place, doing all these cool angles and shit. But um, do you guys have any idea how Underpair's ability is going to work, do you think? Uh, I think I have a pretty good idea. Like he's just gonna like make people bleed out if they get cut severely. I think we were kind of seeing that with uh, unseen how his, his belly was just bleeding, although he had looked like he'd been freshly been cut. But yeah. I think that might be his ability. Yeah, I I think he's got something to do with his earrings, um, or his earring. Like he, uh, they kept on showing it, and it looked like it had blood in it. So. I think that the earring is like a like a timer. It's used as like a timer type thing, and when all the blood runs out in the earring or the red liquid, whatever it is, I think that the person that he's um, targeting uh, bleeds out. That's what I think. That'd be really interesting, but that makes me think like dependent on the size of the wound, is that earring going to know to like run out faster i mean you chop somebody in half that shit's gonna go real quick but if you hit him with a pinprick like it's gonna take a long time to bleed out you know i mean maybe their blood has to be like close to him or something like that for them to be affected i could do it but yeah, yeah. i had the same thought as bass you know i was like oh shit blood ain't gonna coagulate that's kind of cool that's so deadly like that's you could ble- cool. you could bleed out from something so minor that way, like like a, just like a small cut on your finger. Yeah, just imagine unrepair hands you a piece of paper and you get a paper cut. And you're just like, oh fuck! A piece of paper is a dangerous weapon when he's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> just like we saw from uh, Conan in uh, fucking Naruto, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We need a paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, after that, we see Galaxy, the UMA, unleashed. And the way they did this, it was fucking gnarly, man. It was just like Apocalypse basically just puked up a galaxy. And it looked really cool. 
But um, it turns out that when Apocalypse basically unleashed Galaxy, what this did is it created another galaxy, like literally in the middle of our galaxy, which is nuts. And it added a bunch of planets similar to Earth with living beings on them, or as we like to call them here on uh, our big old rock, aliens. And holy shit, this led to an alien invasion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was it was nuts. I was wondering how they were going to make galaxy dangerous, but it's just galactical threats. I I was thinking like meteors and all that shit, but nah, we're getting fucking shredder from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in alien form coming to Earth to fuck shit up. (laughs) And the, the crazy thing is, is when when galaxy first got introduced and they went up top or whatever, like you it basically teased meteors and then it didn't happen and instead aliens happened so yeah it was really cool when they unleashed the new galaxy like this the sky just filled up with more stars and planets and all that and you saw a bunch of shooting stars so i was like oh we're getting some fucking meteors more (laughs) meteors more meteors big fan of meteors keep them coming (laughs) you guys gotta admit some of the best scenes in anime have come with fucking meteors it has that's a fact that's a fact man i mean shit (laughs) when the when the aliens came i was i was thinking to myself where's satan at where's he at bro (laughs) well we don't need saitama because we got juiz the number one chair of the round table. And we come to learn her power is unjustice. And basically the alien leader says that his version of justice is to kill Earth civilization and make room for their kind. So they're going to commit genocide just to go sit at our lovely cafes we have in Paris and sip, sip coffee. So that's, it's their pretty, coffee now. It's their coffee now. It's a pretty <laughs> aggressive form of justice. But Basically, Juiz takes off her helmet and a little chaos ensues. Alien ships start shooting each other down like it is a bloodbath of exploding spaceships. And how do you guys think Unjustice's power works? Because I've got a pretty good idea. Well, obviously, it's like eye contact, I would think, um, based off the helmet, probably. But it's just, it's just weird. Like, um, to what extent does this actually work? Like, does like does it matter what kind of if if you have a vision of justice or not, or do, like can it be like any kind of thought process that you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I was thinking like so. She asked the alien before, "Is this your is this your justice? Is this what you call justice?" So I think she has to confirm that, or they have to think they're doing something correctly, and then she makes them do the opposite. Yeah, so I don't, for instead of like saving their people, they destroyed each other. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if it's the opposite. I think she just rewrites their definition of justice to match hers, mm. and depending on how strongly they feel about it, they might not succumb to her ability. Because we saw all the alien ships be destroyed, but the leader—I'm gonna call him Shredder because he looked like Shredder. But Shredder didn't kill himself. So, like, my thinking is that his vision of justice was so strong that he, it wasn't negated, you know? Well, I think she actually said it in there. She actually said that uh, the reason why he didn't die was because he didn't believe in his vision enough. True. So, the opposite of what I'm saying. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. He just didn't have enough conviction behind what he was doing. Damn. I think he knew down in his heart it was wrong, but he didn't have another choice. But yeah, yeah it was... I was going to say, it was also interesting that um, at the end, she used like a secondary, like a dialed down version of her ability where she only used her visor. So like, that's, 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 that's weird. Um, I don't know. Like, does that like dial it down some? Like, what are y'all thought? What are y'all's thoughts on that? So I think the visor is how she controls who sees it. But with that many alien ships up there, she had to take it off to make sure that her eyes were seen on whatever camera or, you know, screen they were projecting her and leader on. But I think when she only opens the front of it, it's basically to control who sees her eyes, if that makes sense. Mm, Yeah, old girl is dangerous. She's a baddie, too. Facts. (laughs) Facts. But um, yeah, so basically she warns the aliens, like she basically rewrites their justice, says never come to Earth again. This planet's off limits. And uh, Shredder goes, beam me up, Scotty. And uh, we had our first alien invasion and we've had our last. That's it. Game over. <laughs> yeah, they got the, I mean, we, I guess this was a, a warning to the rest of the aliens out there not to fuck with us. I love it. So after that, we learn more about the penalties that they get for not completing quests. And basically, they found a mysterious stone tablet that has 101 slots along with Apocalypse. And every time they don't complete a mission, there's a penalty, in this case, Galaxy. And a small stone falls into a slot on this tablet. And so far, they have 99 penalties. They're coming up on that 101. (laughs) And we learned what 101 is, and it's Ragnarok which is in Norse mythology, basically the end times. So shit, boys, we can't keep fucking this up or else everyone's going to die. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're going to unleash that giant fucking lava monster from Thor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that got me kind of thinking, like, do you think it's possible for them to get rid of some of the penalties? Or or have they just not been able to so far? Or what? I don't think they can get rid of penalties, but they can capture them or, um, I guess, delete them. You know, like they, it's like it's not going to take it off the tablet, but they can defeat the UMAs. So, like, stop oh. the effect, but the the stone doesn't come out. So you don't you don't think there's a way for them to like um like free up more space? You think it's like that way forever? Yeah. Damn, they're in bad shape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this might not be as long of a show as we thought it was going to be. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. So, but with that, so um, in order to get more quests, they have to fill the final seat. And they're thinking they're going to try and recruit Unrepair. And Andy Fuko and uh, Tatiana get tasked with this. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens with the whole unrepair situation. This guy seems like he's very against the union and it could be interesting to see how that boils down. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that Tatiana is just like a big ass orb. So I, I need to see what's <laughs> going on with that. There's definitely a person in that thing, dude. Okay. I like that okay. Name. <laughs> Tatiana. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, just makes me think of Urza from Fairy Tale. So Tatiana, hopefully she's a baddie like my girl Urza, but she probably ain't. <laughs> she's probably like a child or something. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, to end, you know, they have a rough location of three negators, unburn, unrepair, and unseen. And it'll be interesting to see which one ends up on the squad. I mean, they're going for unrepair, but if that doesn't work, you know, are they going to also go for the other two? Be curious to see. Yeah, same. I mean, uh, they're in a pretty desperate <clears throat> situation. They got to fill that slot in the next three months. Yeah, or else they get another penalty, which puts them at 100 out of 101. So, beef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. GG's. Uh, well, awesome. Tyler, I guess time for Freeran, right? Yeah, let's do it. So, Freeran, episode 14, Privilege of the Young. And during this episode, we follow a frustrated Fern and Stark who eventually figure out their problem while learning more about relationships and how to treat one another. This and a couple other events remind Furin about the past, as usual. Shocker. <laughs> but this episode starts with the aftermath of a fight between Fern and Stark. You know, that's something that's kind of been accumulating along the way. They just keep on fighting. And it ends up, the reason behind it was that Stark didn't get anything for Fern's birthday. Um, and she went crazy. Uh, but both Fern and Sign said that Fern is kind of sometimes too harsh on Stark. And have have you guys do you think do you guys think that, or do you think she's being like justified, kind of justified? No, yeah, justified. She is <clears throat> a stone cold bitch. I'll say it, Dan. Her vision yeah. of justice. Her vision of justice. <laughs> she needs to go meet up with Juice and get rewrote here, man. Because like. <laughs> What what teenage boy remembers birthdays? Because like I'm like 30 and I have a hard time remembering my own birthday half the time. Yeah, I I, I like literally don't care. I just had my 30th birthday this last year and like I didn't care at all. People made me go out to dinner. Dude, like the only reason I can remember my wife's birthday is it's four days ahead of mine. Like that's it. Like if it was like July 12th or something, <laughs> oh, I'd be no. fucked. Yeah. Oh no. And like a lot of dudes like forget their own like wedding anniversary. So like I like you, you really can't get too mad. That's just how we're wired, I think. Like that's, you just keep it pushing, you know? That that's an easier date for me because we were gifted like 13 different signs that people got us at our wedding and they all have the date on it. So it's a wrap, dude. Oh, that's <laughs> they're good. All, they're all over my house. It's hard not people, to see. People were looking out for you, Dan. Dude, just not hard to see August 14th on your wall and go, what's that day? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't say that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's my name. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Fern Fern has a conversation with Sign about Stark and boys around his age. So we're getting that, you know, that important tar- talk out of the way, you know, and who better to give it than Sign, right? Yeah, the old uh, birds and the bees, yeah. <laughs> Fern says she didn't priest? like how what'd you say? I said from a priest? Yeah, a corrupt priest, bro. He knows what's going on. So um nice. but she, she says that she don't like how accustomed sign is to the company of women. And did you find this an odd thing for for her to say to sign? No, uh, not at all. I mean they know he, this. Yeah. I mean he's a priest. He's not supposed to be like with the shits like this he he knows what he's doing out here and you gotta remember too that fern was raised by yet another corrupt priest (laughs) but he loved the goddess he just loved his booze it sounds like signs out here uh 
love it up on some ladies. I mean, he drinks, smokes, and gambles. I, I, I don't think he really has limits. I mean, there's only one more vice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you think you think Fern would like kind of be used to this behavior, but we I think Hato kind of changed a little bit, honestly. Um, the way it seems like so. Yeah, yeah. she met she met old Hiter. I, I yeah. think young Hiter was a dog. <laughs> just for the booze boys <laughs> uh, but sign goes on to tell Fern that boys and men don't put as much value on things like their birthdays and other commer- commemorative events commemorative this? yeah we'll, we'll get it <laughs> it's early yeah it's really early do you find do you find this true and and life Yourself? Yeah, yeah, we already talked about yeah, that. Well, like, yeah, we just talked about it, and, yeah. and it's very fucking true. It's, it's very, very true. fucking true. Like, uh, people, I don't like getting gifts, and I don't like, well, I, it's okay that I have to give them, but it's okay. Um, So, like, I completely understand where Stark is coming from here. He's like, I don't know what to get you, and uh, we're going to wait to see what happens on the day. I do this all the time. <laughs> oh, I love I so I don't like getting gifts, but I love giving them. Mm-hmm. What a nice guy. I'm a really good gift giver, and people are like, I want this. I'm like, nah, you ain't getting that. You get some way better. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he, a, he got he got me uh some, some lobster sandals for my uh birthday, <laughs> for my 30th, and I, and they're fucking awesome. I still wear them around the house. Bass has an af- affinity for lobsters and facts about lobsters. Yes. Okay. I visited him when he was living in uh, Maine, and I memorized about 100 lobster facts and was rattling them shits off. It was the most annoying thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so what better to, like, uh, you know, infor- reinforce that behavior than to buy him lobster sandals? Never forget. It was, it was a total meme gift, but it was great. I loved it. Well, I'm a great gift giver too. I, I give I give gift cards. So, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm also ass at giving gifts, Tyler. So, no issues. But yeah, I feel like this is a um, this is even more true in their um, world because you know it's not like a normal world like us. We don't we we don't they don't have to worry about like simple things like that because they they have to worry about losing their lives to dragons you know true so. and, and imagine getting fur and something for every goddamn birthday bro what do you think why do you think her box is full of so much junk <laughs> it's her box of, her box of birthday presents <laughs> well at least she kept them instead of throwing them out so that, that's that's a w in itself so True, true, uh, true. But uh, I mean, as Sion was talking to Fern, like I mean, they had like a lot of pit up aggression. Fern and, and uh, Stark did, and he tells Fern like people don't know how you feel unless you tell them. And like it's something simple to say, but I thought that was an absolute bar because I think people kind of like hold back their feelings sometimes when they think somebody should act in a certain way, and that's how you keep your relationships clear. If you know somebody crosses the line with you or doesn't do something you need help with gotta say something that's some real life shit right there hell yeah he, he's he's telling them he's telling them how it is i like mm-hmm. this guy so. yeah for sure and you know after after he be spitting facts like that you know fern's fern she she realizes that she has to go apologize now and because that's the right thing to do right 
So, mm-hmm. um, but did you notice that it was like midday when Fern talked to Sign and it was sundown when she finally got around to it? Do you think that was like a a thoughtful choice by the writer or animation team, or you think it was just like coincidence or something? No, um, I definitely I'll go, go for ahead. it. Okay. Um, yeah, I definitely thought it was on purpose and, and I liked that they did it actually. Um, and I noticed it because like, I think if she would have gone and done it immediately and they like showed it at the same time of day, uh, as when she talked to sign, I don't think it would have felt as thoughtful. She took the afternoon, built the courage up to apologize one, and then had the time to think about a thoughtful apology. I think it's interesting that you're talking about building up the courage. I think she needed the time to, uh, level cool. get level headed and cool down uh, okay okay <laughs> well I, I think she was cool i think she was calmed down after her talk with sign honestly she she kind of you know she's been looking at it like i think she's kind of been pampered by heiter honestly um even though like he was her i guess adopted dad or whatever mm-hmm. um she was kind of pampered by him i think i think that she, you know, always, he always knew when the birthdays was. He always treated her and all that stuff. So it's interesting. She, I guess she hasn't really seen another man that she cares for that ignore that ignores her kind of. Yeah. Or pisses even, her off. I, I don't really even know that I would call it ignoring. Like he just doesn't have any experience with like relationships. Yeah. Um, he's just been getting trained as a warrior and he didn't, he hadn't like had anybody to care for. Um, and like, it, it's the same, like even like, you know, like your relationships when like you're a teenager versus, you know, being 30 years old, like, you know how to act now. Like, you know what to expect, you know, what people want without them saying it to a degree for the ladies out there to a degree. Um, <laughs> communication is key, but like you, you kind of know how to navigate these things smoothly at this point. So he's still growing into that. And it doesn't help that he got trained by Eisen, which is, uh, I don't think he's a ladies' man. Would very much doubt that. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, I haven't seen a single dwarf chick the entire time we've watched this, so. <laughs> if it's like just, Lord of the Rings, they all look the same. He might be a chick. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen him break out the Riz yet, because he ain't into humans. Or elves. Facts. I don't think he's into anything, though. So. Just diving um, headfirst off of cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> My man built like that, bro. For sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the result of this is they both end up apologizing and then they go shopping, um, which is a happy ending pretty much, I think. For Fern. And, yeah. Well, yeah. My man, <laughs> he had to spend some money probably, so. GG's. Uh, but Sion and Freeran end up talking about relationships and Heiter. Um, you know, you understand relationships better as you get old and you end up not finding as much like we just said, you know, pretty much. So, um, she also recognizes sign as a well-adjusted adult. So it feels like she has a better, um, a better, like, look on sign than she did Heiter. Doesn't it feel like that? I think this just comes with with experience and age, you know? I mean, like, that was really... If you think about it, like, Fern only knew Flom or Flamme growing up. So, like, it was really her first introduction to other people and, like, building relationships because she was just kind of living as a hermit out in the woods, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, she was really enjoying it too. So <laughs> I did really like this scene though, because when she recognizes Sign as a religious adult, she like pats him on the head, which is a callback to when she patted um Hyder on the head, just like I'll praise you kind of thing. And I thought it was funny because Sign was like damn if this was an older lady patting my head and Fern just like don't worry bro there's not many women older than i am <laughs> but it's just great because Fern looks like a kid and she's like 1500 years old at this point <laughs> bro the comedy still hits i was dying <laughs> um but yeah so i guess moving on to the next next the crew gets a ride with a merchant and basically, they just get in. They end up getting abducted by a flying monster bird, and we we actually get into like a little bit of world building here, and kind of the how magic is more about the magic system, and we learned that flying magic that is that they've used in the past has actually been copied from a demon technique, and that they can only levitate things around the size of themselves due to not fully understanding the actual spell um so did y'all did y'all like that they brought that in yeah definitely you know i think it's interesting that like two of the spells we see all the time with the attack spell the i can't remember the name they use for it in um demon terms zoltrak yeah zoltrak there we go like are human mages just ripping off the fucking demons like do they not know how to figure shit out and like come up with spells because if so they a bunch of whack-ass fools dude <laughs> fuck ass kids <laughs> I, I think they are ripping off a lot of their stuff from the demons because i mean that's what they focus on mana is everything for the demons so it makes sense that like okay like we're gonna adjust this for humans and make it work it's interesting that they 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 figured out how to harness the zotrak and make it better and more powerful but yet they can't figure out the flying like transportation spell to make it bigger and better too. Maybe, maybe they're not as um, motivated because it's not a killing technique. So um, I think that they they've had Vol uh, Zoltrak for a little bit longer time. I think it's like fifty years, okay. and the flying technique they've had for less than forty. So maybe they're just still working on it. Yeah, yeah I also think getting Zoltrak figured out and intensified was priority number one because. Shit, we gotta learn how to take down the demons. And people were getting clapped. <laughs> flying is like, okay, we can fly ourselves. This is good enough for combat, you know? True. Okay. That makes sense. Urgency. But I, I really think it's interesting that it was like four, I don't know, it was earlier in the season. They had a talk about um Stark was like, why don't you just fly the carriage over the giant pile of rocks? And they were like, Oh, it's because we want to clear the road for everybody else. Makes sense. But actually. They a bunch of punk ass fools who can't lift up a carriage. <laughs> oh, lion ass motherfuckers! <laughs> well, uh, they they actually Freeran actually can. She just can't do it for long. So, um, so she probably could have lifted it up and put it over, but then she would have been zero. So, um, but yeah, we uh. Dan was talking about how Aizen, you know, would just fall from high places and not take any damage. And do you, like, we also know that, like, he was kind of poison resistant as well. Do we have any ideas, like, why this is? 
I'm trying to figure out what this man is made of. Dwarves are sturdy Dwarves. as fuck. Yeah. Sturdy as a bitch. They yeah. are sturdy, dude. <laughs> it's nuts, dude. He, he's a he's somebody I would want to have at my party. That's I, that's why I thought it was funny. Where Ferd was like, "Oh, you're a warrior. Eisen can do this," and I'm like, "Yeah, but Eisen was a dwarf and Stark's a human. Like, he gonna go splat." <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if I was Fern, I would just like levitate Eisen uh, up to a very very high elevation and just have him drop on people. It would be that- awesome. Dude, that'd be hilarious. I mean, think about it. He's just coming down with his battle axe ready to go. Mm-hmm. They think there's only three people in the party. Fourth one's in the sky just waiting. <laughs> it's just of their eyes in Meteor. It's just fucking <laughs> <blast> down. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that would be tragic. Uh, but they, they get out of the bird situation or flying monster situation. Kind of... You know, good. You know, uh, Furin uses the levitation spell right before it hits the ground and ends up like destroying the the carriage. And but all the people were pretty safe, so I guess that's a W. It worked out for sure. Yeah, yeah, you could fix carriages. That's not a big deal. And one thing that we got out of this is that she lost the ring. Um, the ring that had the symbol on it. Uh, like kind of like. Uh, Fern's uh, bracelet had and you know it w- it means eternal love I believe it was right yes yeah. sir the mirrored lotus yeah which I'm not I'm not uh, versed in the language of love so I'm not sure uh, I didn't know what that meant either back when we first seen it so language of love sure flowers not so much <laughs> <laughs> ain't they the same bro no <laughs> but we actually get a really cute flashback right here and this had me like very happy to see because uh Freeran was like um you know Himmel didn't know what the language the you know the language of love mirrored lotus means or whatever but we see him we see her pick the ring out and and Himmel's like oh are you sure you want to pick this ring you know, you didn't give it much thought, and it turns out he actually did. So, did what? Did y'all did y'all like this scene at all? What it what it showed us? Yeah, it pretty much showed us him was uh the red the original Riz master uh, unspoken Riz is what the the children are calling it, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed this scene just because it really shows how oblivious Fern is. Or sorry, off free red. <laughs> Yeah, or both. <laughs> like like uh like master, like uh apprentice, I guess. But, but yeah. Confirm. But it, oh, well, I was gonna say it's interesting that because I don't know if Himmel necessarily loved her in that sense though. Like it was more like I don't know if it was like a deep friendship or if it was something else, you know, because like I feel like if you're on your deathbed and your girl is there and you never got to say it, you say it, you know? I, True. I feel like he did. I feel like he, he I feel like he probably did. We just didn't get to see it yet. Maybe. So, yeah, it could I feel, be. Uh, I also I'll, feel like that's going to happen at, at ten, you know, at heaven, so um in the land of theory. the goddess. Yeah. yeah. I I um I mean, it was 50 years or something like that since they had been in the same party. So, like, the feelings may have faded. You might have realized, like, I just kind of let this one go. 
she's gonna live to be three thousand years old and i'm gonna die around 80 so might not work out all right yeah at that point though like why would you why would you even try to say it when you're when you know your time's coming up you you know that she didn't get it all those years ago and why would you even like say it again so for yourself man you got to get it out there or else you're gonna regret it true yeah solid episode uh really liked it Uh, it's confirming what i love to see so yeah also you know himmel might just not have been a shooter yeah but (laughs) you guys ready for some roroni kitchen let's do it all right boys we got roroni kitchen episode 23 the wolf's fangs so in this episode kitchen kind of loses his current self in favor of batosai the manslayer when an unexpected representative of the Meiji government steps in. This was a crazy plot twist, um, but it left me with a few questions to end the episode. Well, a few questions for Tyler, I should say. Um, but we returned on this episode uh, to Kenshin with uh, Kairu and Yahiko talking about where um, Kenshin might actually be. And this is when we see our boy uh, Saito or Fujita his current name arrives looking for Kenshin at the dojo. So when he showed up there, we know who he is, but the the characters in the show don't. Like, what did you guys think he was up to? Like, you know, did you think he had some killing intent or what was going on with that? I thought yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I knew, like, he knew Kenshin was going to take down um, Arundo. Arundo, yeah. Sickle and, sickle and chain kind of guy. So he was just getting there. He was just going there to clean up, clean up the aftermath, you know. Yeah, so, I, I actually fair. thought he was gonna take like. Um, so I, I I feel like that he thought that maybe Kenshin had the upper hand, probably. So I, I felt like that he was gonna go and take one of his precious people hostage, kind of, and use them to gain the upper advantage. Kinda. That's what that's what I thought it was going, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was on some some weird timing like that too, Tyler. But uh, we were proven wrong, unfortunately. So next, we return to the battle between Arundo and Kenshin. Uh, we left off last episode, and Kenshin was kind of bound by those chains that Dan was talking about. Uh, but he breaks out of them pretty quickly. But the, the key takeaway from this scene was that uh, Arundo said that some VIP in the government. Uh, has found out about Kenshin from the previous era, uh, the Kurogasa case. And uh, we kind of get in a little bit more of that, who that is. But afterwards, Kenshin returns to the dojo after having a hard time with Arundo. And Saito is there waiting for him. You know, he kind of tells Kenshin that he's grown weak and has done a poor job being a Roroni protecting people that catch his eye, quote unquote, and he references like the incidents of Mekami getting captured, various people like Yahiko getting captured, and the interest, the incident with Raijuta, uh, where he um, permanently injured that kid so he couldn't practice swordsmanship. Now, guys, like, did you did you think he had a point? Like, has Kenshin been a bigger failure than what we think about so far? Well, before I answer this, I just want to point out that the one thing I learned from uh, Arundo and um, the Kenshin fight was that Kenshin is a master of three sword styles like Soro. <laughs> Yo. That's what I learned. Okay. <laughs> he did put the blade in his mouth. 
yes. and say something about three worlds and do a crazy spinning attack. Trust me, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. what I learned that our man is Zoro. Kenshin is Zoro. So but that would that would be an interesting debate. <laughs> no, I don't want to hear this shit. I don't want to hear this shit at all. After the bullshit hour, <laughs> got a new segment ready for you guys. But uh, yeah, to go back to your question, uh, do we think that he has a point? I I think so to some extent. Um, I mean, he he is kind of spitting facts. I mean, is it fair that he's saying what he's saying? No, but you know, Kenshin did his best and. You know, there's obviously things that he can't control when he's give up killing, you know. But I think that, you know, like Yahiko said, you know, nobody died. So that's a W. Yeah, it makes it it's interesting to think about, too, because like if Kenshin hadn't gone the pacifist route and renounced killing, would any of those things have gone that far? Like, even mm-hmm. if he was like, I'm going to protect people who catch my eye, but I'm going to slash up some motherfuckers who try and fuck with that shit do you think well, any of it would have went that far you know like he would just he just sort of one off rip yeah but would Kenshin have stayed there if he was still killing people I'm not and, sure and lived in the um what what is her sword the, the style dojo. called uh the peaceful, yeah. the peaceful blade or something like that mm-hmm. or yeah, I don't. I don't think that she could have allowed someone like that to stay at her dojo while she's practicing and teaching a life-giving sword. That's what it is. So true. And Kenshin's out here cutting people down left and yeah. right. Yeah, that'd be that would just be a mean bad hypocrisy. Yeah, she's, she's got a very simple solution here. Oh, he's not a member of the dojo. He's just the wash boy. He <laughs> might actually be a legendary samurai. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I, it, it just can't happen like that because we see in this episode, you know, Ken, uh, Kairu gets so tore up because, you know, he she thinks that he's going to revert back to his killing ways. And, you know, not he wouldn't have been lie. there if he has not, killed. So. Not going to lie. I would not mind seeing a little Potosa. <laughs> <laughs> Give the people what it. they want. I'm down to there. I'm so down. <laughs> Um, but yes, Cairo thinks like, you know, once this fight is over, like, you know, Kenshin is going to leave and I have some ideas about why she might think that, but like, what do you guys think? I mean, it's valid because, you know, at this point, um, you know, our main man, Saito, he, uh, you know, he said some valid points and you got to start thinking if you're Kenshin, like, would all those things have, would all of them happened if he was there? Would, would like, if he would have left, uh, would, you know, uh, Sanosuke and all of them have been in danger? No, probably not, because everybody's come after Kenshin, right? Well, so. Sano would still be mean mugging on the streets being a thug. So, yeah. like, we've definitely seen a better turn of events in his life. But no, I agree, you know, like him being there, him being hunted by all these people from the political, like of political power. Um, it definitely puts the dojo at risk. So I definitely see that. But I was more thinking that if he snaps and goes full Batosai and kills a man, there's no coming back from that. He has to leave that peaceful side of him behind and he can't stay at the dojo if he's 
the Batosai. So yeah, like, he he'd probably have a a mean hit list to go down. It'd be which awesome. I would love to see. Yeah, I mean for real, it would be very awesome. We need like an alternate universe Kenshin where he just like goes hammer on all this shit. Dude, that would be a great uh, fan flick right there. That'd be great. Um, but next, you know, we we see during this fight with Saito, we see Kenshin you know, busting out his his best moves, and he he got stabbed, kicked a couple times to the ground. We see he's all uh, battered and bruised up, bleeding. And the the announcer revealed that like the true strength of the Shinsengumi group was their technique, and that they that they had a surefire way of killing an opponent the first time that they saw them, and me and Todd were talking during the last episode and it was mentioned that the Shinsengumi were known for jumping people pretty much, you know, that seven on one type beat. Tyler, do you think it was good that they like kind of clarified what that was actually about? Cause like, I definitely did not have much respect for the Shinsengumi when I heard that. I mean, I still don't have much respect for them, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I understood what they was doing back in the day or, you know, when they was explaining that, but it's, it's cool that they, Kind of clarified it a little bit more, but still, that doesn't take away from the fact they were still jumping people, you know, right? Well, I mean, if you think about it, the Shinsengumi were essentially the military police of the old era, so like they're just out there protecting Kyoto and they're doing what they have to do to do that. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting in this is that they brought up Hijikata during this whole segment where they're talking about the Shinsengumi. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a legendary Japanese warrior. And any sort of anime that has Shinsengumi in it usually has a character named Hijikata. So I thought it was cool that they brought that up. And Gintama, Gintama, the second in command of the Shinsengumi is Hijikata. Okay. Oh. So I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, damn, I'm learning something new today. Shit. I mean, good research there, my boy. Good research. Gotcha. <laughs> Google. Um. Google just said legendary Japanese warrior. I'm like, I know what's going on here. This is a wrap. <laughs> very good. Very good. Also, Rose, like we, how many times did Kaoru just get a reaction shot saying Kenshin? I counted eight times in this fucking 20 minute episode. Was that annoying y'all? Or like, nah. Yeah, it was kind of over the top. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I have an answer for that because I watched it. It was the first show I watched as soon as I hit the snooze button five times this morning. So <laughs> uh, his, his eyes and ears were closed when when she was saying "kitchen." <laughs> it's, it's a very good, it's a very good thing that I'm able to have a very good discussion about this. So uh, <laughs> the the good parts must have come through at least. So. True. I'm glad you blocked out her saying Kenshin eight times. <laughs> At least eight times. I didn't start counting until midway through the episode. <laughs> I think they were doing it just to show the gravity of her feelings, but uh, we get it. Shut the love? fuck up. Is this what they call love? Oh, she's in love. 100%. 100%. She found that I older think, man. And she's got abandonment issues. Yeah, this is bad. Yeah, I think Kenshin's Kinda, kinda feels the same way though in some some regards, I believe. So I don't know about in that sense. I think it's more just like it's a dear friend that he wants to protect. I mean, you gotta think she's like what eighteen and he's like thirty. Yeah, yeah. But and, he's a I new mean, man. I think I think, he's, I think he's Megami's more his man. speed. I mean, Megami's <laughs> a baddie, so Yo, yeah. I mean, she's got, more everybody's speed. You know, she got that, now. She got that. She got that poison touch. <laughs> oh. Oh, 
She infects um, your mind and it gets you high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that where it lies. Um, so <laughs> d- during the battle, um, we see Kenshin going back to his old ways. Boy's back on his bullshit. And Saito decided to like test him with his full power attacks. Um, you know, we kind of already answered the question: Do we like seeing Kenshin in this mode on Go? And I do personally. These are some of my favorite moments of the entire anime. Love the whole thing. Love the whole thing. But when Kenshin get the gets those narrow eyes and just starts going crazy, you, you know it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a good episode. Yeah, dude. I was about to say, like, when you see them eyes get a little more, a little more. Um, Narrow. Ferocious, yeah, you yeah. know, like they're scary looking, and I fuck with that heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, there's always been like that part of me where I'm like, I, I just want to see Kenshin like all the way on his bullshit, but wouldn't be good for the plot. Um, also, like last uh, last rundown, I stated that the Shinsengumi, like you know, may have been surviving Kenshin by fleeing once objectives had been secured, but Saito said they don't they don't abandon the samurai way; they fight the battles to death. Did this surprise you, Tyler? I mean, considering that he's fought some of like the captains, captains of the Shinsengumi so many times. Yeah, so like, I mean, so with that being said, like you could only assume that Kenshin was the one that ran away, which I, I, I have a so in in his state now, like that's easy to believe, but in his Batosa state, like. It's kind of hard to believe that Kensha would run away knowing that he was the best of the best. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think he'd be running away. I think he'd be fighting to the brink of like passing out and understanding that it's a draw. And, you know, based on the samurai way, that might be a sign of respect just to not continue the fight, you know? Yeah, like just fighting to a stalemate and being like, damn, neither one of us can move. And damn, okay. he got me this time. Let's, let's, let's meet again, bro. It's front of back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I kind of forgot this little detail, and it, it did surprise me. Like they were fighting Kenshin to a stalemate over and over and over. That's very very impressive. Um, but in the last moments of the battle, before um, either Kenshin or Saito died, we get a quick visit uh, by the swordsman uh, police chief who stepped in and told Saito to stop, and that his job was to kind of just judge the abilities of Kenshin. This ended up being a plot started by um, the former revolutionary warrior and home minister, Toshimi Chi Okubo. And what the heck do, do you think he wants? I just butchered his name. I know, Dan. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> um, it is early, my boy. And I can hardly read it in the first place. Um, <laughs> but uh, what do you, what is Okubo like? need with him you guys think i can't talk i know the plot but it's toshimichi <laughs> toshi oh jesus but what about you tyler uh, i know dad knows what's going on but what do you think uh, he needs from uh kenshin honestly like i haven't figured that out yet uh I, okay, okay. I, I really the only thing i'm i'm just i'm just i don't even know like, like know it, is it for like to take down, like to get him to see if he's still in ship, sh- you know, uh, shape. Um, to you know, take down maybe another rival facts, uh, you know, uh, state or whatever. Or 
I, I I just don't know. I'd like there's I could speculate, but uh why, you know? You're on the right know. track and it's gonna set up. I don't know if we're gonna see it in season one. I just checked. Season one's gonna be twenty seven episodes. I thought it was only gonna be twenty five. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see if they get into the next big plot point. This, this do, season, I thought, I thought, uh, I thought the next episode was the last episode. I just googled it and it said, "Oh no, I might be looking at the original." Hold on. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure episodes. Yeah, pretty okay, sure so next this, week this is finale. Be... No, this is okay. twenty-two, right? No, this, this is twenty-three. Next week's next week's finale. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna set up a really exciting season two next week. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. Tyler, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, we're going to get into like the the main plot, the meat of this thing. So it's going to be great. <laughs> and I haven't rewatched that part of it, or at least all the way through. So I'm I'm pretty excited myself because uh, before my rewatch earlier this year, uh, it had been I mean years and years and years. I think since like I was like a preteen, well, uh, a preteen since I've seen this. So it'll be all yeah. new to me, pretty much. Maybe maybe we can expect to have you know season two of Kenshin like uh, by late late next year or so. Hopefully, maybe that'd be exciting. That'd be exciting. Uh, but Dan, you want to get us into some uh, JJK? Let's do it. So next we're going to JJK episode twenty, right and wrong part three. So Yuji has just watched Nobura fall and is struggling to fight back against Mahito. He's not fighting back at all. He's getting boxed up. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Toyo comes in clutch to get him back on his feet and into the fight. So to start the episode, um, we kind of go back to a flashback on happier times. And our protagonists are having a... It, it was a funny scene where Nobro spilt coffee on Gojo's shirt. <laughs> An expensive and- shirt, by the way. Yeah, a 250,000 yen shirt. So that ain't cheap. This is some designer Gucci shit. <laughs> yeah, that Gucci on. The Gucci flip flops. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out how to save the coffee. And it just shows all the characters like back before the Shibuya arc and everything changed. Um, <laughs> I, I want to add something. 250,000 yen is an $1,800 fucking shirt. What the I fuck, Gojo? What, what are you like? You're a jujitsu sorcerer, my boy. What, what are you wearing this for? Dude, he's the six eyes, bro. <laughs> he's the six. Bro, pick up <laughs> chicks, dude. What you talking about? You gotta have that wrist, bro. That's why oh you got them God. aviators too. Yeah. Wait, wearing uh, satin? Not the Jeez. aviators, but the damn. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a fucking cashmere fucking button down, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta look styling, bro. But unfortunately, the good memory doesn't last long as we're taken back to the current fight where Nobara just has a giant hole in the side of her head. <laughs> it looks kind of familiar to what Toji had in his uh, half. Oh, it ain't that Oof. bad. It Oof. ain't that bad. Oof. She lost an eyeball. Toji lost half his torso. <laughs> So during this, we also learn that there is a non-zero chance of her living. And uh, what do you guys think about that? Bro, she ain't dying. I I, I said it last. I said it last rundown. This girl is not dying. There's no way. So, dude, uh, no bro with an eye patch would go kind of tough. So yeah, that'd be mad tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it would fit her as well. She'd look even more menacing. 
Yeah, Definitely. I have faith in my girl, so. Or Bass's I, girl, I should say. Yeah. I, I don't have faith in her. I have faith in the uh, the guy Showed who shows up, up to, to heal her or stop the bleeding, I guess, you know? Yeah, I think I think Arata's going to work his magic, hopefully, because uh, I, I don't feel like I can go on without Nabara in this show. Just can't do that. <laughs> I just need more Sukuna, to be honest with you. Uh, that would also work to keep me engaged. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have too much Sukuna, like, there won't be no more JJK, so. That's perfectly fine. The good guys <laughs> don't have to win every anime, dude. True. True. So after that, we get back in the fight against Mahito, and Yuji is just a shell of himself. His resolve has been totally destroyed. And Mahito is taking advantage of this, and he is throwing him around like a fucking ragdoll. Like, bodying him. Yuji's just standing there taking it. It's not even fair. And there's a really interesting scene where Mahito says that again says that Yuji and him are the same but he like goes into detail this time and he says I kill humans without a second thought and the other saves them without a second thought so it's really interesting that he's saying they're the same when in reality they're polar opposites but they both have the same resolve um do you guys think Mahito's right in this way of thinking or like what do you guys think no um go ahead yeah no like, yeah, I mean, you if you're going to say you're the same, then at least make it make sense. Well, I, I think he more meant that, like, there's two sides to the same coin. They have the same nature, but what they want to do is completely different. Um, And I think in that way, it's true. I had just never really thought about that. And then like, we've we've seen the other curses say that Mahito is a reflection of humanity. And I, I, I didn't understand that until he kind of went into it here. It's like, yeah, we tend to like try to preserve our lives and others' lives around us where Mahito is like, kill everything. And I don't give a shit. Not even going to well, count. Yeah. And you think about it too, like Mahito brings it up. He's like, I can't count how many humans I've killed. And I don't give a shit about that. Just like you can't count how many curses you've killed. Can you give me a number? No, no. Tough shit, bro. We're the same. You know, you're killing yeah. curses. I'm killing people. We're just fighting for opposite goals. Exactly. Exactly. And I really loved that uh that Mahito kind of like told Yuji, like, you know, this is a war. Like you thought this was like kind of be a, a cleanup job or a rescue mission. This is a war. Like we're fighting for ideology here. So that was and, good for him to see that. I mean, hear uh, say that. And I really, I really like that statement from Mahito. Because that is true, you know they're not playing a kid's game; they're fighting a war. So exactly, yeah, it's probably the only thing I like about Mahito. Fuck that guy! Yeah, <laughs> he's killing off all the good guys. Yeah, I mean he's a great villain. Like character, like writing wise, like everybody hates him, and that's exactly what you want. Like we all want to see him die a gory, painful death. Yeah, I mean. That our man's crazy, but like he, he's he's not crazy. You know what I mean? So definitely. And after this, everybody, one of everybody's favorite characters is back on the scene. Toto's back. He jumps in and saves Yuji at the last moment with that clap. Our boy's back in the mix. I was so excited to see Toto come in this episode. Like I knew it was coming, but like I fucking love Toto, boys. I didn't know it was coming. Uh, I, I seen him and I was like, what the hell, bro? Where Best did he come from? Yes, sir. 
I you love knew, it though. You knew somebody was coming to save oh, Yuji because yeah. you can't kill off the main character in season two when the manga is still going. And like, my thinking was like, what character besides Gojo has had that much influence on Itadori? And Toto, it was Toto. Toto's the fucking man, dude. Heck yeah. Nanami's dead. Gojo's literally boxed up right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was only going to be Toto. I mean, there for a minute, I thought maybe uh, Megumi would have a shot at coming, but, you know, it was just a... I knew somebody was going to come, but I just did not expect Toto at all. Like, I'm at pretty all. sure Megumi is down for the count right now. Even if he gets, like, medical attention from that um, that female sorcerer whose name Toto? I can't remember. Yeah, he's down for the count, man. Like, he's not getting back up this fight. Never know. We thought Anami was, too. And look at Anami. He went bad bitch mode. <laughs> he went to the beach. The big beach in the sky. But so Toto and Yuji are talking, and Yuji explains that he can't fight anymore because so many of his friends have died, and Sukuna has just killed so many people, and his resolve was to save anyone to make up for those losses. And he can't forgive himself anymore for all this death. And Toto comes in with the manly man speech. We needed it. Everybody needed it at this point. Hell and yeah. he basically said that a great man shouldn't let himself grow so small. Sorcerers haven't lost as long as some of them are still living. He then asked what the Fallen had entrusted them with and that he should fight until he figures it out. That is the punishment of being a sorcerer. And I love that idea of like, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, like picking up their torch and carrying it on. You know, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, we got some of that in AOT, and it's it's cool to see it um, kind of mirrored here in uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. So I think I think that's important um, when you're in these kind of situations. And I, I agree with that. Like when I was watching this episode, like I had memories of Attack on Titan because this was the same kind of shit that like this episode was like heavy with great dialogue. So definitely man i was ready for toto to fucking put his fist on his chest and just say shinzo sasagi my soldiers fight <laughs> don't bring that up i can only think of that tiktok with the girl riding a horse <laughs> <laughs> it still went hard bro <laughs> so after that arata comes in and uses his sorcerer ability on yuji to stop the pain and bleeding from his existing wounds and basically tells him that like hey i've stopped this on your existing wounds this isn't going to help you if you get beat up again so like watch out and then we just get an awesome fight boys i was hyped i love watching these two fight together it's so fun jump zoo kaisen is back baby <laughs> jump zoo kaisen oh <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay. So like getting that. into the so getting into this fight. So first off, what do you guys think about the animation? Because we know Mop, the guys at Mappa are going through some real tough times right now, and um, I definitely noticed some scenes that I was like, "This is looking a little rough." But like, I think they were going for that. You think so? Like, I, we hadn't seen that type of style. I, so they do it sometimes, like where like the outlines get a little messed up. That you kind of get that like cloth feeling from it. 
But I thought the beginning of this fight looked very, very rough compared to what we normally get. Um, there was also like a couple of scenes when Nabara was fighting Mahito, um, one of his bodies, that it looked a little rough. So I, I think it's suffering a little bit. I think some of this was on purpose in this episode, but maybe a couple of scenes, uh, the beginning, like the initial clash between Toto and Mahito looked pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. I'll go for it, Tyler. Well, I was going to say, in my opinion, I don't think the fights have looked as crisp um, since the Sukuna, uh, the curse and the curse, like the popcorn fight. Mm-hmm. I think the last few episodes has kind of been wishy-washy at times. So, yeah, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it, it, it I definitely noticed it big time uh, because you look at the end sequence of this episode and it looks at like that, that normal like S tier. Yeah. Map up production versus like the rest of this fight. So I think they're they're they're, they're struggling over there right now. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like we you can almost say the same thing about One Piece though, where One Piece would get really jagged looking animation at some points, but like those were the episodes done by the heavy hitters. So I almost think they were doing it on purpose just to kind of like show how crazy the fight actually was, you know. But it definitely definitely wasn't up to what we had seen in the past. No, yeah, and I think they do that for One Piece. I mean, there's it's a running show and has been for you know twenty something years at this point, to where they need to spend their budget on certain moments. This being a seasonal anime, and they haven't done that before, really. Uh, at least that art style and the fights for this show, they haven't looked this rough ever. Yeah. So it's just a, it's yeah, One Piece does it, but I think it's for a different reason. They got to conserve budget. Well, running say- every single week. One Piece did it, though, in the episodes that they spent, like, 10 months on. Like, the heavy-hitting episodes. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I remember I said, like, initially I didn't like it. They were overusing that art style. Uh, but this didn't seem like the same thing. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of it, though. And it, it did. Yeah. It was kind of fitting for the fight, too, just because, like, it was it was all Mahito. And Mahito is... That guy's got to be impossible to animate, dude. His body just moves in such erratic ways that, like, I thought they were doing it on purpose for that reason. Okay. I I thought it was less polished because he is hard to animate. That was my thought. Yeah. Um, He did, like, a spinning attack, like, over his head, like, the club arms. And, like, it was just the colors in a circle instead of having, like, you know, like, etchings to show speed. And I thought that was a little weird, too. So, you know, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but I, I, I... think some of it is definitely leaking out into the work the finished product here yeah like i said i felt that way for the past few episodes i feel like but not saying that it's bad it's just not as good as we was seeing and then then again you know like bass also said later in the episode uh it actually went to that same level again so maybe they're having to pick and choose which uh which moments of the episode that they actually go hard on because maybe that you know time crunch that we know about is actually affecting their ability to do it all correctly you know yeah i definitely think it's a combination of both like i i think we're all correct here i just i think it's like a combination of both things you know Uh, that's 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 very fair uh because i mean with that sukuna fight with the curse um that was all their budget. <laughs> I mean, and they were saying that it was like only 30% of their vision. Like it wasn't a finished episode and it still looked amazing, but they, they know they can do better. Yeah. Hopefully they delay the next episode or season and like let them, let them cook for another year or something like that. So we can actually get that full vision. Yes, sir. 
I'd be okay with it. I can go read the manga and get ahead. I don't really care. Hopefully, um, Mappa figures that shit out, and we don't take, have to deal with this stuff. Take less jobs. Take yeah. less jobs. Yeah, or hire more people. Some so. But so after that, during the fight, uh, Mahito actually uses Black Flash on Yuji, and he believes he's close to reaching the true essence of his soul. And like, what do you guys think about that? Like, do you think like Mahito has like a next level or like a new form or something? The way he's talking, I, I, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think he, he's got something. He's got something else coming. I could like almost see his eyes flashing blue and his hair getting yellow when he was saying this, you know, like this is like super. <laughs> this is my final on. form. Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. Mean, it, we'll see, I guess. Okay. Okay. We got well, what we got, like three three more episodes. So do you think the this spot will last that long or what? I think it's gonna be at least the next episode. Um and then something crazy is going to happen, and then we're going to get kind of get closure for the season, setting up season three. Okay. That's my guess. Yeah, that'd be great. And during this fight, you know, like Toto's going in boxing heavy, and they're going at it, and Mahito's kind of figuring out his claps, figuring out how to like understand where he's going to be next. We can plan ahead, and out of nowhere, we see Yuji get clapped in with a black flash. And he studied his resolve again, and he absolutely just mollywops fucking Mahito, and that had me fired up, boys. Yeah, I was, I was so happy he was he was back on his his shit right there. Um, so, but go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say yeah, and after that we get like we kind of shift away from the fight, and we see students on a train from Jujutsu High who weren't there originally, and they're talking to old Mechamaru. Over one of those little uh, mic or walkie-talkie looking things, and do you think those guys are going to even be able to do anything here? Because like, I don't. <laughs> I think they're going to get boxed up if they try and join this fight. <laughs> yeah, for I mean, Mechamaru said it best, right? He said Toto was the only one that had a shot. So, yeah, I mean, it hurt their feelings, but I mean, truth's the truth. So. Yeah, bro said your fodder. Stay out of the fight. <laughs> but I feel like there's other things they can do. I mean, Shibuya is in disarray right now, so like they can kind of help steady steady the field outside of the action packed battles, you know? Yeah, that's I what Maki so. and them thought too. And look what happened to them. Wrong place, right time, boys. <laughs> oof, oof. For our enjoyment, are you not entertained? Um, but yeah, I think they'll be able to help in other ways. But the main fight, they're gonna have to stay away away from because they'll just get in the way, really. Definitely. And the last few minutes of the episode are the fight sequence between Mahito, Toto, and Yuji. And like, I feel like we're not going to get into this too much. Like, you just got to go watch it. It is one of those unexplainable, like, we can't put it into words. Like, it is awesome. But there is one scene I want to bring up because I saw the funniest fucking TikTok of all time. And Yuji throws a stone using Black Flash. And Toto claps in, replaces himself with the stone. So he's moving like a fucking rocket ship right now. And there's like colors everywhere, lights everywhere. There's like Toto's thinking about all of this. And <laughs> the beach scene. He flashes to the beach scene and we see busty women. And we all know Toto is a fan of Jennifer Lawrence. Fucking respect. <laughs> so my head cannon, that was J-Law's ass, which is glorious. 
Well, there's three of them, so... Um, three J-Law asses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, out of the whole flashback sequence, that's the only thing that caught my attention, so... Oh, really? I, I love the <laughs> wink by, uh, <laughs> by Yuji in his mind. He's, like, flying through, like, a galaxy, and it's just, like, uh, Yuji, like, with the wink and throwing the peace sign. I was like, of course, this is what is in Toto's mind. Brother! <laughs> I want to see a slowed down version of that shit, bro. Like, I, I want to see that. I didn't have time to, like, try to find that or, like, do that. But I really want to see a slowed down version. So. But somebody made a TikTok where they replaced the music playing with the My Hero Academia. Oh, no. All for one music. <laughs> and he's blasting through this. And it looks like the scenes you see with all for one with all the powers going everywhere and all that. Mm-hmm. And all I can think was he comes in with that black flash. I'm like, nah, fuck black flash. You're using Detroit smash, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great little sequence they made that this was beautiful. This was a beautiful animation. It was hilarious with the I'll, ass and the wink. I'll throw the I'll throw the TikTok in the podcast discussion so you guys could check it up. I was rolling Please on the ground. Do. Please I was do. rolling on the ground. Yeah, it kind of surprised me that he ended that with a kick and not a punch. So uh, that was really interesting. Definitely, man. But so to end the episode, it basically shows the narrator talking and it shows Mahito, Toto and Yuji. And it says they're each fighting to 120 percent of their latent potential. So I really think this is going to continue on with an even more epic fight. And maybe the reason the animation was a little touchy in this one. It's because they're going all out next episode, and I'll be okay with that. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever they got to do to make uh, this shit pop. Yeah. Uh, did we want to say something about the intro, too? Oh, yeah. So if you guys haven't watched this yet and you go back and watch it, um, they made changes to the intro to really show just the gravity of the situation in Shibuya. So originally the intro, you see how the lights in Shibuya, and in this episode... And I'm assuming the rest of the season, instead of seeing all the lights, you just see a blackness kind of take over the city. And there was a scene where it showed everyone on the sorcerer side standing in front of the city. And instead of that, it just shows the destruction that Sukuna laid down on this place. So it's cool. Like they're doing little things like that in the intro. I really like that. Yeah, that's cool. I might have to go actually watch the intro. I usually hit the skip intro button, but got to go back and check it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's specials, dude. Dude, I'm just I, I roll with that one. Skip. Save Especially when you see like all life. the sorcerers and stuff, like Nanami and all that, you know, uh, coming on, and you don't see that no more because they did. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> R.I.P. No yeah, skip uh, next time. I got it. Yeah. But awesome. Tyler, want to get us into One Piece? Yeah, let's do this. Uh, one Piece 1087, The War on the Island of Women, a case involving Kobe the Hero. And. This time we get back to see what Kobe and the Navy has been cooking up. And we finally get to see the main man, Blackbeard, again. And basically this episode starts off with Shanks dropping Marcos off um, at, I guess, uh, the Whitebeard Pirates Island, I, I believe. And wanting him to... And before he goes, he's like, you know, you can just join our crew. And I was thinking, that's a really scary thought. Uh, good thing Marcos don't want to, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be insane. Uh, I love that, like, that Marco was like, yeah, I don't feel like babysitting another legendary pirate, so I'll see you guys later. That was a hilarious line. Not the hockey man. 
fuck. Um, yeah, and then we also uh, go back to Wano, and we find out the reason why Yamato is staying behind is because she's actually worried about, you know, people attacking Wano. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of like what we, uh, what we thought, the reason why she thought that she, we that she was staying. So, um, it's good to know that that's actually the reason. But then we actually head to a new place. We're, we're moving on now. So we head to the island of women where Boa is living. And the Navy is trying their best to capture her. And all she can think about is marrying Luffy. And I just want to ask a realistic question. Do we think that she actually has a shot at the future Pirate King? Um, No. I hope so. I mean, Luffy. Luffy's just too oblivious, I believe. Maybe when he's uh, achieved uh, greatness, he'll settle down. But uh, at least until then, man's eyes are laser focused. He's he's gotta have a happy ending, bro. And Boa is a happy ending. I'd yeah, say that, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she is the most beautiful woman in the One Piece world. Like Oda has a hard time drawing her because she's like, damn. He's like, damn, girl, you fine. You might turn into <laughs> a statue too. I turned into a statue, <laughs> you kidding me? What you talking about? But Oh no. No, this I, is I, Sunday, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> weekend, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but um no i th- i think boa is the most fitting person like if luffy does end up with someone i think boa is fitting because like it'd almost be weird if he ended up with one of his crewmates because like that's more like a family you know yeah, yeah. that would be weird that, that is his weird. family so and I, and I don't see like luffy um pursuing women so it'd have to be somebody that's pursuing him and boa fits that yeah, yeah. i'll i'll feed you a lot luffy okay bet <laughs> And Amazon Lily looks like a great place to go on a vacation to see the fam. You know, like, gotta say. True, true, true. He might see Nanami there. Who knows? Um, but yeah, get (laughs) I don't I don't think Malaysia is in the calm belt, brother. (laughs) We already discussed this. I just spun the globe. I didn't really look at it, so the Um. world of one piece isn't on the globe, dude. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah we're gonna get this man a globe asap <laughs> but just get him a on. one piece club <laughs> really <laughs> fuck with him uh kobe kobe and the navy is actually raiding this island um boas island and they have a new toy um that we get to learn a little bit about but not much just speculation a new pacifista called the seraphims um, and do you think that they made them, they, they're, they're like childlike. They look like childs. They look like mm-hmm. kids. And do you think they made them look like kids for a reason? Um, cause we know the other pacifistas that we've seen before was like replicas of Kuma. So, yeah, I think that was a conscious choice. I mean, you, a lot of people know who Kuma is. Uh, so one, you get a little bit of stealth there, but two, you don't just, fight children like that i know this is anime but like they seem a little unassuming where kuma is very looks very imposing so a little hesitation yeah Yeah, i don't know i see i see what looks like lunarian and i get pretty scared really fast well i'm sure a lot of people just don't know what lunarians are are, uh especially in like the, the 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 day and age they live in where that's true king was the last one 
That is true. Um, so my thinking of why they're kids is that they like, so you know how um the Vin smokes in the uh, I can't remember their their fucking team name. Um so they make clones for their Germa. Yeah, Germa Germa makes clones for like their warriors essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that it's a similar process to that. And I don't know if they were ready to unleash the Seraphims, but they saw the gravity of what was going on. So they might have pulled them out of their development early. Ooh. Just knowing that they were going to box shit up anyways, you know? True, true, true. So you think they, you know, they, they're just not fully baked. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Yeah. And just like just like Dan said, um, one of them is a Lunarian. Uh, it's got oh. the white hair, the black wings, the darker skin, and the flame on the back. So, oh, uh, Mini Boa had that too, dude. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. And there's also we also seen a second Seraphim, um, but we didn't really get to see a whole lot of them. But you could assume that it was Boa because it had her earrings and it kind of had her hairstyle. So. I was just kind of curious if Bass and y'all had actually picked up on that too. So, oh, I definitely yeah. did notice that the earring yeah. was wild because, like, why are you making replica earrings? Um, yeah. That and then, I mean, the other seraphim we saw was a little Mihawk. I mean, he had a he had, oh, he had we yes. three. Yes, okay. he had Yori. Sure so, like, and yeah. the eyes, yeah. Well, they all That's, had weird eyes. That's true. The other one had like star eyes. It was weird. Okay, so we've actually seen three different types of seraphims now. So I guess with that being said, like what what's especially Bass since he's not read the manga enough, and like what's your thoughts on these new pacifistas uh, right about now? Uh, why the fuck are they Yonko level? Uh, we saw one slash uh, from from the Mihawk, the mini Mihawk, and it damn near cut uh, Amazon Lily in half. Well, That's broken. That's broken, bro. That's crazy. Um, the, the technology is getting out of hand and uh, the fact that Blackbeard <laughs> is having problems with uh, one of these children one <laughs> is alarming <laughs> it's alarming as shit yeah um, it, it is and like, I I don't know what else to say about it myself because like I know more about it I guess uh, so it was just interesting to see what you thought about it Bass being yeah, this shit is wild. pure so I'm pure. I, I, yeah, man, no pure. one said that to me in many meetings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, th- I just thought it was like crazy how strong they were. Uh, the technology has advanced very far uh, in just a few months here. It's nuts. Okay. Um, and, you know, we, we get to see them in full display because um, Blackbeard shows up to the island, like uh, we said. And the reason why is because apparently he is after Boa because uh, he don't want the Navy to get her devil fruit power because he wants it for himself. So um, we see that he's still after powers still. Um, but I'm kind of curious, like, would her power even be effective for Blackbeard to use? Why would he want it? Um, I, I was thinking, okay, well, no one thinks Blackbeard is hot. Yeah. Uh, so that, that part of it, I don't think would work, but Boa can turn you to stone by touching you too. Oh, so I, I'm, she? I'm, okay. yeah, she can. So I was thinking like, maybe like, you know, his, uh, his black hole power 
when he touches people, it negates their devil fruit powers, and then he can turn them to stone. But that's the best I could think of. I don't know why this one specifically, because other than that, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, so Blackbeard can steal devil fruit powers to give to someone else. We see that a while ago where he takes... Um, you remember the, weird, the weird-ass lion dude from Gekko Morio's crew? Yeah. So he steals oh, the invisibility yeah. crew and gives it to Shiryu. The, True. The, the jailer from... Uh, fuck, I'm spacing out from the crazy prison. Okay, okay. But, um, but he's, maybe, he's got no bad bitches on his crew, though. Yeah, that's he might get a bad bitch. It's Blackbeard, bro. If someone says, I have a broken devil fruit if you join my crew, like, yeah, you're going to join the crew? Come on, that's how his whole crew got built. Yeah, he's looking for a baddie. Yeah, I see that. Okay. Yeah, I was... That, I thought maybe that could be the case, and then I was like, but he don't have anybody even attractive that we've seen, so it's... So, I don't know. Recruiting yeah. purposes. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, his crew is really interesting to look at too while we're talking about it because it is a mere mere opposite image of Shanks crew. Shanks crew is all built off extremely powerful hockey to, that we know of. There's no devil fruit users on it, and Blackbeard's crew is built of the most powerful devil fruits. So I think we're going to get a really interesting clash of ideologies and fighting techniques between those guys down the line. True. I mean, it's also a mirror between the Straw Hats. Um, they're they're all working towards their own goals and dreams and then you have the uh, blackbeard pirates that are working towards just the captain's dream and they're they have no real relationship or friendship outside of that so it's also a mirror of that so this is gonna be pretty cool uh, this this is why one piece is the greatest so Facts. <laughs> talk to um, them but yeah, i guess to like uh end this or whatever oh like we got at least three pacifistas being unleashed on the island. We got most of the Navy and Blackbeard's crew turned to stone, except for Kobe and Blackbeard. So, um, and right now, Blackbeard is basically got a hold of Boa, and Kobe's just looking, just staring at them, trying to figure out what to do. So, with all that being said, like, what do you think is going to happen next, Bass? So, um, Blackbeard has his throat around Boa, deactivated her devil fruit powers. Um, and Boa says, you know, if, if you kill me or take my devil fruit, your two crewmates that I put the stone are just going to stay there. Like you can't undo that with the next user. And I think that just saved her, uh, her saying that because he's like, okay, I put together this very intricate plan. I have these two on my crew for a specific purpose. I need them. So she just talked her way out of get, getting uh, killed in action there, I think. For now. For now. But I, I don't know what Kobe is going to do. If I was Kobe, I would like attack Blackbeard. He's the bigger threat. He's a fucking Yonko. But I don't know if Kobe, Kobe has the facilities for that. Well, I mean, he, it, it was very surprising that he told the um, pacifistas to stand down because he didn't want, you know, his, uh, you know, his uh, comrades to get destroyed or whatever so right. i guess i guess that's getting in the way of his ability to take on blackbeard because i don't know man blackbeard versus three pacifistas like um i, th I think he, he might get i mean he might get clapped or severely hurt if that was actually the case 
because he's struggling with one, but you know, a little jumping, a little JJK jumping. I don't think he would fare too well here. Yeah, so I think that's the only thing saving him right now is Kobe's like, um, it's kind of like he, it's kind of like Itadori, you know. So, um, he just cares too much about people. So, true, true, true. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's fair. He doesn't want to lose a bunch of his comrades because they're in stone. But was in a very good position. Smart lady. Yeah. Okay. Um. But I mean, pretty big things happened on One Piece this week. I, I feel like so, but not a lot happened. It was just mostly those events. We we get to learn a few things. Get to see what Blackbeard Kobe's up to. So it's gonna be pretty cool the next coming of weeks. I think so. Yeah, I yes, don't think there's, there's there's gonna be a lot of world building coming, which is fun because it's kind of setting the stage for the final saga, which we're all very excited for. Yes, and uh, I am very excited to see what's coming up. Uh, this being my first time seeing all this, it's been guys. Hey, yo. Well, awesome. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this weekly rundown. Uh, make sure to rate the podcast like Bass said at the beginning. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover during the weekly rundown, drop them in the Discord. Uh, it wouldn't have worked this week because we recorded a day early. <laughs> but uh, drop them as you think of them. We'll talk about them. Uh, Linktree.com slash anime to join the Discord, check out our socials and more. And we'll catch you on Thursday for the rundown. Peace. Or the bullshit hour. Peace. Yeah, later.